Dear Lord, we thank You so much for the opportunity to talk about young people and ministry. Lord, I just pray that You would bless our time together. And, and, and Lord, we just want to win souls. Youth means more than the Word. It, it means someone's grandson. It might mean their son, their brother, their sister. These are lives that You died for and we love. So Lord, show us uh, Your ways. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to start off a little bit of an introduction. Uh, my, name is, my name is Chad Bernard. I uh, am a Michigan boy, born and raised. About uh, eight years ago now, I was called to move out to California. I lived in California for about seven years. Uh, the, the majority of my experience is in education. Uh, my my uh, education, as far as training, is in education. Uh, last June, I started a new... Um, um, phase of my life, I guess is the best way to say it. I'm now one of the uh, uh, directors for the youth department for the Michigan Conference. I have the supreme pleasure of working with uh, Craig Harris and Ken Mitchiff is our, is our director. And I, let me tell you, one, there's so many reasons why I love this state and I love this conference, but one of them was this. Uh, essentially, the leadership came and said, you know, we really think that God is blessing our camp, and we really think that God is blessing club ministries or the Pathfinders and Adventurers. But boy, our, our young people, once they go through those experiences, they're leaving. Are you experiencing that? Are you seeing that? They're just leaving. What do we do? And uh, they, you know, they're looking, they're having this conversation with me, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's a great question." Uh, we're interested in starting a new approach or a program or something. We're asking the Holy Spirit to give us some ideas on how uh, to reach our young people, and we'd like to actually see if you would be willing to join the team to develop that. So here's my job. I get to go to any church that will have me. Seriously, any church. And talk to them about a process that I, I'm basically going to share with you this week. Um, today we're going to just identify a, a, the youth of today. Uh, the uh, Generation Z is the term given to uh, young people that were born roughly from 1998 to 2010-ish. So I'm going to kind of share that a little bit with today, but, but I hope it to be super interactive. I want to take you through a process of what I believe God has shown me, uh, principles that I see Him use in Scripture, principles I found in, find in Spirit of Prophecy, on how to change the way we do youth ministry. Um, I don't want to make absolute statements, but I recognize a problem that I have. Sometimes I'll use words like always and never, Forgive me if I do. Um, but here's what I see a lot of. I hear youth ministers or people uh, that are developed, and essentially it looks like this. What is it that you like to do? What is it that you think is cool? We're going to just do that in the church. So you'll come. 
And we want you to be happy. And we're happy that you're here. And we're super excited. Look, can you believe it? By God's grace, we offered free pizza in a movie and 60 kids showed up. Isn't that wonderful? Now, yeah, okay. Sure. And so, what is it that you want to listen to? What do you want to watch? What do you want to do? And, and so, that's kind of been the approach. The other side is, is a, 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 an approach I've seen is, is young people, all they do is self, they're selfish, all they do is care about themselves, and they're just horrible, and forget it. Don't even waste your time with youth ministry. Matter of fact, we don't even care because they're going to go to a boarding school soon and we'll never see them again. We'll raise them in the community. They'll hit, you know, depending on your grade, they'll hit ninth grade or they'll hit 11th grade. And then somewhere, somebody will minister to these people. And then when they don't come back, we can just blame those institutions. It's the boarding school's fault. Those teachers at the boarding schools did it. It's the university's fault. I saw what they did uh, at the latest gathering. And then they don't come back. I actually believe that youth ministry can be done differently. So we started this new initiative called Fieldwork. I'll explain it um, as we... Uh, progress through the week. But just today, I'm just going to talk basically about Generation Z, field questions. I probably won't know a lot of the answers, but I'll take them anyway. But we're going to be in this journey together. Does that make sense? All right. So, uh, another book I want to I I share, this was, very, was a very good book called Meet Generation Z. Uh, I, I love the guy's name. That helped me out. James White was the guy who wrote it. Uh, no relation. It wasn't James White. I'm just saying that. Um, <clears throat> some of you might ask, is, is, this, a, is this gentleman, uh, is he, an, is he a, an Adventist or not? Uh, no. Uh, the reality is that in the field of youth ministry, the Adventist church, this is not a negative, this is stating the fact we don't really write a whole lot about this. Someone should. Uh, so when, when talking about something current and sociological trends, you typically need, if you're wanting to study this, you either need to go to scholarly articles, which are fascinating, um, and, but they use big words, and then you read books too. Those are good too. But uh, born between 1998-2010, uh, they don't remember, or, or many of them were not alive during 9-11. Uh, this year's graduating class what, would have been born, what, 2000, 2001, maybe even 02, depending. Uh, what, can, what, was your, what was your big thing that happened in American history that uh, you like, this was my, our, our generation's defining moment? The Challenger, that's really interesting you say that. Anyone else? Kennedy being shot, right? Yes, absolutely. Civil rights movement. Yeah, his brother, exactly. How many of you felt like the moon landing was a big deal? 
None of you. All right, good. And some of you are like, did we? <laughs> so that's another breakout that I'm Vietnam. Thank you. And, and you know what's interesting is we sometimes carry an emotion that we expect everyone else should. Follow what I'm saying? Like, uh, where, where you might hold Vietnam with reverence, if you talk to a, a Gen Zer about it, they would think of Vietnam, no offense, like maybe you feel about World War I. I mean, just, just a disconnect. And what's really interesting is, is, is 9-11 is like, for many of you, Kennedy, or, or, or you know, beyond. Pearl Harbor is probably a great example. 9-11 to them is probably like Pearl Harbor. Oh yeah, we heard about that. I remember when it happened, I was working with Diana. Uh, we were at Oakwood Academy. And my brother called me, and I was going to tease him about, uh, it was a Tuesday morning, I remember it vividly, because I was, I was going to tease him about uh, how I beat him in a, in a certain uh, sport activity that we were in, uh, based on the activity the previous night. But anyway, I started teasing him, and he goes, hey, do you, did you hear uh, a plane ran into the World Trade Center? And I, uh, let me tell you how you guys can relate to this. Do you know what my first thought was? What an idiot. How could, you, how could you run into a building like it's so big? Like, that's what I thought. But, but today's generation, you know what the first thing they're thinking? Like, whenever they hear something like that, their first thought is, it's a terrorist attack. But we started watching these, these things, and the, the younger kids were bored watching the 9-11 attack happen live. They were bored in about 15 minutes. And i got to be honest with you, I want to lay hands on this one kid. His name was Jesus. True story. <laughs> you remember him? <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I was like, I want to. And the Lord was like, his name is Jesus. You know. But I mean, like, that was their mindset. Crazy. Uh, the TSA, or the, the pre-check, terrorism, that's always existed. How many of you have flown recently and went, man, I hate this. Hate these lines. Or they'll tell you, hey, that pocket knife can't come. Or, or... Hi, thank you. Sure, all right. Fingernail, yeah, and you get so frustrated, right? They have no concept of smoking sections on the plane. <laughs> They, many of them don't even know smoking sections in restaurants. They get their information primarily from social media, thank you so much, and smartphones. Uh, so, now why is this important? Uh, when I grew up, this was something that was told me all the time. TV will rot your brain. <laughs> Stop watching TV. It was always, the, you know, whatever, it was the TV's fault, Right? If you talk to this generation and say, do not watch TV, they're going to be like, all right. No problem. <laughs> Most of them actually, you know, like, I don't even need a TV. Like, it's not even a big deal. You send them to the room, fine. <laughs> right? Uh, and specifically, if you have the mindset that, um, you know, it's just a phone, 
I can't underestimate, I can't overestimate this. All, everything evil in this world, and good, is, is in the phone. You can access things that could put you in jail immediately on your phone. You also could access things that could bring you salvation on your phone. And if you want to talk to Gen Z, you're going to need to know how to use this. It's just a fact. How many of you remember? How many of you? How many of you? Uh, how many of you remember when texting first started? Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pager. The, we used to make fun of people. You're not a doctor. What are you? A drug dealer? That was the joke, right? You think you're so bad because you got your pager and you're 16. Um, but I remember when texting started, uh, and I also remember when the first iPhone came, I'm that old, and I was like, who would do this? Why would I type when I can talk? Like, that made absolutely no sense to me. And then I came to the conclusion, what if I don't want to talk to somebody, I just want to tell them stuff? What if I don't, I just want to know what they want, but I don't want to actually interact with them? And then all of a sudden, texting was like super awesome. <laughs> Isn't that true? Like nobody wants to admit it, but like, I don't even want to talk to you, but I need you to set up chairs. <laughs> right? You'll have to respond. Right, right. And now we even have an emojis, like LOL. Like that, that's me telling you, this conversation is over, but I acknowledge that you were trying to be funny. <laughs> like that we really do that. So... Uh, they, make they make up 25% of America, so one out of every four Americans is Generation Z. So you think, ah, it's not that big of a deal. It's a lot. One out of every four. <clears throat> they tend to record everything electronically. Everything. Again, if you're here, you could be here for different reasons. You might be here because you're very interested in starting youth ministry, you might be here because you're wanting to, to connect with your children or your grandchildren. They, re they record everything electronically. So just want you to know that everything goes up. And then typically, uh, when we're emotional, we do things that we don't think through. Have you ever done that? You get angry, maybe you get happy, and you, <laughs> you say things. And then you go, ooh, probably shouldn't have. Uh, how many of you can think of somebody who's been fired recently just because of a tweet? Which, by the way, is short for Twitter statement. You go and, for those, those of you who might not know what Twitter is, but you, you, it, it's, it, when you speak, it's a tweet. So, uh, uh, Ro Roseanne Barr, you've heard of, you know, Roseanne, the, she's a kind of an obnoxious com comedian. Like, that, that would be her words. She tweets, you know, something that was heinous and inappropriate, and then she got fired. And uh, this generation's like, why? That was private. Why am I in trouble for something private? But society is showing that nothing is private when you put it on the entire, it's called World Wide Web, so process that. Um, they're sexually fluid. What does that mean? Well, it means this, that... Uh, uh, sexuality uh, is not a big deal to them. 
73% of Generation Z on the latest Pew Research say that they're in favor of gay marriage. It's whatever works for you is fine. So they're sexually fluid. They don't even, they don't even talk about it. It's so mainstream to them. Uh, they're post-Christian. This is the first generation in the history of the United States that is actually post-Christian. What do I mean by that? Uh, 59% don't go to church. Only 41% go to church. So, so the majority don't attend of this generation. Does this make sense? Now, uh, why is that problematic? Well, you tell me. Okay. Right. They're going to have kids and. Correct. Hard to relate. For example, young man I met with in jail. I said, Do you know about King David? Who's he? Right. We're getting to that. No, that's. Oh, you touched on something really big. Yes. Right. That's a huge, that is a huge piece. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So they call themselves the nuns. This is what this means. Are you Christian, Jewish, Muslim, nun? I'm nun. Uh, he wrote another book called The Rise of the Nuns. But it is, it is accelerating at a super fast rate. Uh, those that are, that are unchurched. Which is something that we're going to process this week. Why that is. Uh, and again, uh, it's really easy to blame those that aren't attending. But there's probably enough blame to go around. <laughs> Um, so, so process this. When you were younger, was there, where was social pressure with reference to the church? Do you, you feel like social pressure was that you went to church or not? Right. Everybody went to church. We, we would say things like, I remember growing up, you know, that's what we do. We go to church. We go to Pathfinders. We wear suits. We, and, and you looked around and everyone was doing that. So not only did you have your parents communicating something, society as a whole, whether it's at a micro-Adventist level or even as a macro-American level, they were all saying to do the same thing. Does that make sense? So what, what White calls the squishy center, you had those that were against it, those who were for it, and then you had a bunch of sheep that basically just did whatever. Okay. Now what was inter- what's interesting now about society, now that society is saying church isn't necessary, your squishy center just was like, oh, okay, and they just left. Now you could argue from a, uh, from a perspective and say, well then, the squishy center, they were lukewarm, so it doesn't matter. They weren't in either way. Well, Maybe. Um, but they're just not around anymore. So what do we do about that? Faith and religion are abstract concepts to them. 
This is something that's really interesting. How many of you have ever heard of uh, Ken Ham? Yeah, okay, so for those of you who have never heard of Ken Ham, uh, he's the gentleman that started uh, Answers in Genesis. He actually created a very, very large structure in Kentucky, uh, the Ark, uh, Ark Encounter. You've heard of that? This is Ken Ham. He wrote a book called Already Gone. And he also had a video, very interesting video, and uh, he, he's coming to a conclusion that Adventists came to in the 1800s. And here's what he said. He's like, man, we have to start our own schools. <laughs> because we tell them they need faith on the weekend, on Sunday, but all week they're, they're, they're uh, learning fact. So they're learning truth all week, which is saying that evolution is correct and all of these different things. But then on Sunday we say, you need to have faith to believe in creation. And this generation is going, no. And so that's what caused him to start this, this uh, ministry. You, you know, uh, the, the quote to Ellen White that, that, that I've, I always remember, she said, in light of the three angels' messages, we realized we had to start our own schools. Like that's the point of education, is to preach this message. So now the rest of the Protestants are like, man, we got to do this. Uh, very, but it's very, very interesting. But but it's it's just not it's not real. It's it's abstract. And so here's my question to you now, and talk to your neighbors thirty seconds. Why do you think? You know, I could I could see how you could say faith is abstract. I could get that. But why do they think religion is an abstract term? Abstract meaning not concrete, kind of just uh, an idea. Why, why do they think they think that way? Go ahead, turn to your neighbors, discuss that. Okay, what do you think? Talk to me. What are your thoughts? Yes, buddy. Because the, the majority, 59%, don't go to church, Church is an abstract thing. Why, why do we even need them? Right. Same thing with faith. It's like if they've been taught all of their life that evolution is it, da 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 da. Why so, have faith in anything? But the thing is, faith, they have to have more faith to believe in the things they're being taught in the schools than right, yeah. we're teaching in church. But You're absolutely Faith is a constant. That's a different conversation. It doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. Faith. The fact that you're all sitting down right now means you're practicing faith. You don't know who built that, built that chair or who put it up or anything. You just boom, popped right on. So, I mean, faith is a constant. But what's really interesting is how did religion become abstract? You catch what I'm saying? Like, how was it like, eh? When did it stop being relevant? Because, because it, it didn't have any core basis in it. Yeah, how did we get there? From their what? From, from their baseline, especially in public schools, the mainstream society, religion is so removed that to bring it up is so abstract because the, the fundamental core of religion, not, not just faith, but religion itself, a, a system of something is just not in their mindset. Agree. Now let me get offensive. Why are they leaving the Adventist church? Well, your, your reasoning is, you feel what I'm saying is you're saying, yeah, the public school, da, da. but I'm saying, why are young people leaving the Adventist church? 
The reason why I believe that they're leading the Adventist church is because the Adventist church will not be honest and deal with the relevant things of today. Those are LGBTQ, homosexuality, divorce. Uh, we're dealing with the fact that some of our children or the people that we deal with, you're, you're going to have, or even our grandchildren, because I'm a grandmother, will have conversation. Oh, I don't have a daddy. I got, I'm a test tube baby. Oh, yeah. So I think, I think there's nothing wrong with the message of the Adventist church. One. Two, they're leaving because we're just, we need to deal with the, with the, with the a word that I don't even know how to spell anymore, taboo. <laughs> I preached that sometime. I said, I don't know what that word means anymore. And that's what we need to get to because in the other denominations that I see or deal with, they deal with Sure. And they don't deal with them in the abstract. They, they, they're right up front. They listen. You have to deal with it. And I think when we get to that, as difficult as it is, I don't think they will win. Yeah. I see that a lot of our young people are mixing with the world, whether it's by electronic means or in person. And if you mix with people and you don't have any solid foundation from your heart, mm -hmm. you're going to start to absorb whatever they're spouting off. Mm -hmm. And the, a lot of people in this world are just totally postmodern in that mm -hmm. they don't see anything that is solid. Mm -hmm. Truth is relative to whatever you think, and that would include religious practice. Sure. Any religion is otherwise just, if it's established, it's tradition. Right. Well, well let me ask you this. How many of you like habits? I mean, habits are good, right? How many of you have habits? You don't even think about habits. You're like, I, just, I do this. You know. Habits are good. We're fantastic. Nothing wrong with habits. Um, sometimes we have habits, and, and we, we forget even why we did it. We just, we've always done it that way. Um, not good. I'm not suggesting they're good or bad. They're just their habits. But what's intriguing is, you've heard the story of the, of the, uh, the, the young lady, the, the wife, who uh, she made a pot roast, and uh, well, she prepped it, and just before she, she put it in the pan, she cut the end off it. And then she stuck it in the pan, and she did that for I don't know how many times. And then um, the, her husband's like, why do you cut that part of the roast off? I mean, like, that's like a good part. And uh, she's like, that's how you cook a roast. And her husband's like, no, I don't think so. She's like, yeah, my mom has done it my whole life. So she, well, why? So mom came into town. Hey, mom, uh, could you explain to my husband why we cut off the ends of the roast? And she's like, what do you mean? She says, well, why do you, you know, we, we, you, you always cut that part of the roast off. She goes, well, my pan was too short. So that's why I cut it off. But you have a bigger pan. Okay, so here, here's the point. Uh, if, be very careful here, there are so many amazing reasons why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. But if the only reason I'm communicating or my habit is, this is what we do. We go here during this time. We act and discuss a certain way during this time. And then the rest of the week, we act this way during that time. Uh, the term would be called dualism. I am this person here, and I am this person there. Then you have a generation of young people who are saying, why? 
Well, because. Because why? I mean, it's, it's a really great question. And if your answer is, it's what we do, this generation, very authentic, very sincere, goes, I don't think we need that. I actually don't need church to define me. And society says I don't need church to define me. So I'm out. We've even set up a system to where no one's even checking them for like a long period of time. And they were like, hey, whatever happened? Well, I'm sure they moved to... There's like, I, I'm convinced there's this one state in our union, it's the 51st state, where all the young people went. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, they went to this uh, Adventist school and they're out somewhere. Where? I don't know. They're there. They're, they're all there. Which is, isn't that, it's just intriguing. Individual freedom is simply a core value, and they tend to reject traditional morality. That's interesting. Yes? We have a tradition that you have to be a certain age before you can be able to do something. Uh-huh. You won't find it written anywhere. Correct. But practice is right across the board. Yeah. I was in Mexico when I was in Peru, when I was in Ecuador. I saw first elders, 22 years of age. Right. And when you bring that up in any setting here in the United States, <coughs> you've got to be kidding. Right. And yet the churches were thriving. But yet we reject it completely out of hand. Sure. See, now you're stepping on my toes. <laughs> because, yeah, because I have worked hard to get where I'm at as the head elder of Anywhere USA. And some young whippersnapper coming in telling me how we're going to roll, <laughs> that's offensive. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's. Uh, by the way, I was role-playing. This is on video. That's not really true. <laughs> I don't tend the Anywhere Just Church. Yeah, see. But you know, that's not you. Thank yeah. You. <coughs> yeah. And when David came and said, I will go and fight Goliath, and he said, are you kidding? You're yeah. just a little whippersnapper. Right. You can't do anything like that. But if I'm in a legend, you have to do it my way. You have to right. wear my armor. Exactly. And, and we need to distinguish as a community what is based on sound biblical principle and what's really based on my personal preference. Because here's what I found. Tell me if you would agree with this. Have you ever heard anyone say, oh, that person's a little left or that person's a little right? The assumption is they're left or right to the Lord. That's not true. When, they say, when I say you're left, I'm saying left of me. That's just not of God. We're just like, because have you ever heard someone do this? That person's a little left, and you know that person, and you go, man, I wouldn't think they were left. <laughs> it's because you're in a different spot than they are. But we do that. We project our spirituality, and, and it's crazy. Yes? I feel like we've stunted our youth in a lot of ways by serving them religion instead of getting them to their feet to religion. Yeah. We do some small hobby farming on the side and a lot of kids won't eat vegetables until they come and plant them and harvest them and right. cut them up and then they eat them. Right. But we've so often given our kids religion like on a platter instead of getting them to eat to 
involved in partaking of our sure. religious experience. And I mean, in the church and mission opportunities and work outside of the church as well. Right. So they just don't have that investment and that commitment and that ownership of our religion. Well, we want everyone to be safe. Right. We, we live in the era of safe. We don't want you to go outside. You could get kidnapped. And that's true. Or killed. Or, and that's all, those, are, those are all so true. Uh, and so we want you to be safe. So watch this. Because if you, okay, if you put a kid inside and just leave them inside, they're going to go nuts. So you're like, oh, well, we'll just get on your iPad. And, oh, okay. And then they're quiet for like six hours. And as a parent, you're like, praise the Lord for our technology. But while they're being safe, they're actually not they're not experiencing life, and that's problematic, right? Um, here's, here's some really great things. This generation, they actually want to make a difference in society. They literally believe that they can change the world. And you know what? They are. To your point of David, while we tell them why they can't do something, they're doing it. And then we scratch our head and go, what? Can you believe they just did that? I can't believe. How, how did you do that? A, a term that's popular, startups. You know, like you can't start your own company. You're too young. You don't have any money. Well, I think I can. I'll start something out of the back of my house. And they know you can't until they do it. And then you're just like, wow. Right? You, I found this really interesting in my own experience. I... I've experienced times where people have told me I can't do something and it got my dander up because what they told me I couldn't do was not in line with what God was calling me to do. Does this make sense? So I'm like, I'm not listening to you. I'm doing it. Here's what I found out. Once you did it, they would want you on the cover of their publication. And I just found that ironic. You can't do this, you can't do this. Oh, you're successful? <laughs> we want to do a photo shot. You know, like, Really? Because you were just saying, okay, all right, whatever. Uh, but this, this generation can do this. Uh, rapid change is normal. How many of you like change? Raise your hand. Some of you? How many of you don't like, you're just, I'm going to be very vulnerable, he won't turn the camera on you. How many of you do not like change? Okay, I'm going to try and stretch you a little bit. And, man, I don't have, yeah, this will work. This will work. Who said, do you don't like change? I don't like change. Okay. I don't like pink shirts. You don't like pink shirts and you don't like change. <laughs> I'm not going to give you my shirt. I'll have you know, Gail, this is salmon. <laughs> I told that to someone else. I was like, this is salmon. Because that sounds really manly, right? Like, I caught this with my teeth, you know. And uh, the guy's like, it ain't salmon, that's pink. I'm like, whatever. So um, my mom said it looks good, so that's good. <laughs> Now, let me challenge your concept of you don't like change. If, um, if you, let's say you didn't have a phone and I said, I'm about to change your life, I'm going to give you this iPhone 8 Plus. Now, would you be opposed to change? No, I'd give you my 6. Okay, you switch, yeah. So, what about this? Maybe we're not afraid of change, we're actually afraid of loss. And so, if we can explain or process that change doesn't mean loss, we're on board. Correct. The unknown is what scares us. Uh, seeing how you don't like change, I'll just keep my phone. <laughs> so to your point of, 
of the 22-year-old elder or whatever, the way that change doesn't become lost, and this is huge, and we're going to talk about this this week, is discipleship. Give them opportunities and stand right next to them, encouraging them and helping them. You're working your way out of a job and you're not going to lose. Because now you'll be free to do something else because they have the number one thing you don't have, and that is time. And then, yeah, and energy is too. But you, you think about it. You're like, I don't have time for this. I don't. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, all right. So never mind. You're on the same plane. But like, you follow what I'm saying? Like, they have time, they have energy, and they have resources. They'll just start up a GoFundMe page. Some of you're like, what's that mean? This is a great concept. You go online and you basically say, hey everybody, I need money. Give me money. And then you send it to all your friends. And you know what they do? They give you money. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. It's that sliced bread. And I'm going to show you a GoFundMe uh, experience here in just a minute. Uh, they're biblically and spiritually illiterate. Uh, this is just uh, something that I've seen. I, 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 uh, I'm... I'm Studying with a phenomenal person right now. Absolutely love this sister. We're going to be friends for eternity. And we started Bible studies. She says, I'm a professed Christian. I want to learn about Adventism. And I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. Like, I want to know about Ellen White and having all these, you know, let's go. And I'm like, all right. So, let, so let's study. What do you want to, you know, what do you want to study first? And I don't care. Whatever. Let's, you know, not aggressive, but just saying like, I want to know the truth. I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, in our first Bible study, we're talking, and then I made this reference to uh, uh, worship. We should worship God like He likes, like Cain and Abel. And she said, "Who?" And I said, um, "Have you ever heard of Cain and Abel?" And she said, "No." Baptized, professed Christian. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, let me explain to you who this is. Let's go to Genesis chapter 4, and I'll explain you gain able. So I explained the story, and she's like, oh, wow. Okay? And by the way, I am having so much fun studying with someone who has no idea. I mean, you know how wonderful this is? Like, no spiritual baggage. Just like, I don't know anything. So when I share things, she's like, this makes total sense. Is it, I mean, isn't that wonderful? I remember when she said, um, hey, how do you know that Sabbath is the seventh day of the week? <laughs> and I go, oh, okay, well, sure, let's go. And I, and I, I don't claim to be a, a master scholar or anything. I just go, oh, yeah, yeah. And so I, I took her to um, the crucifixion, right? Uh, okay, uh, he uh, died on the preparation day. Uh, do you, do, what do you, wait, what do you call the day he died? She goes, oh, that was Good Friday. Yeah, 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 that's right. So then it says here he rested on the Sabbath, and then he rose on the first day of the week. Hey, what, what do we call the day he rose? And, and it's the first day of the week. She goes, Sunday. Okay, so died here on the preparation day, rested this day, and then rose on Sunday. What day is between Friday and Sunday? And she goes, Saturday is the Sabbath. And I go, yeah. She's like, of course, I believe. 
now you, now listen, you laugh, but like she was like, yeah. And I'm like, I love this woman. <laughs> no argument whatsoever. Now, this is what hurt. When she got done, she goes, you know how many Adventists I've asked? And they could never tell me an answer? I'm like, what? She said, I've been attending the Adventist church for three years. Now, come on. You know that I'm not an intelligent. All of you know. You catch what I'm saying? It's not like I broke down the 2,300 days. <laughs> I identified that Saturday was the seventh day of the week. So, A, illiterate. B, they're asking. And no one's telling them. Or, or C, they're not asking. That's a problem. Well, I... I, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm not, I don't. I don't want to go there. But yeah, I mean. But 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 here's the thing: is this is what's really interesting is basic things that we think. Have you ever heard anyone say this? We all know. We all know that this, and they'll say something. And how many of you have ever heard someone say that, and you go, "Oh, I didn't know that." You don't say that loud. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, me, I didn't know. Or uh, you'll look around and you'll see people who just you know. They just came off the street. And when someone says, we all know, what you've just done is you've created two circles. You're not in the in crowd anymore. Yeah, Mark? I think a lot of all of that goes back. Yes. The, the, uh, the, the, uh, these are old stats. These are about 25 years old. I, I'm guessing they're the same or maybe even worse. Uh, the average mother has seven to ten minutes of meaningful conversation with her child a day. And that's, you think, seven? Wow. Uh, the, the fathers, however, are one to two minutes. Meaningful conversation. Not go clean your room, you know, come to dinner. But like actually having conversations. Now those are families that have both parents. Old data, city of Detroit, about 20 years ago, 90% of the young people that were in the city of Detroit did not have a dad at home. The devil is attacking our families. They've got, he's got us easily distracted. We don't talk anymore. We watch other people live life. We call it reality TV. We watch them act like idiots and go, oh, those guys are idiots. As you watch them. Very sad. And then what we'll do is we'll take a picture of our awesome reality and put it on social media. Like, look at this amazing food that I'm having that you're not. Look at this amazing vacation I'm having that you're not. Look at all these things. And then so we watch, we look, and we go, wow, look at how great everyone else's life is, but ours is miserable. Man, that's so depressing. <laughs> oh, they prefer personal contact. Yeah, CD, go ahead. Most of us are illiterate in many things. How many of us memorize telephone numbers in the morning? Right. I, if I brought the telephone number of my daughter in law, I probably would not recognize it. I just know your name, and that's how I contact you. So yeah. Why we're illiterate in, in telephone numbers, in spelling, we don't know how to do math anymore, and lots of us learn how to do math on top of it. Those kinds of things. And then, but we expect you to be literate in Bible. But right. you don't have to be okay, so I don't want to jump too far ahead of this week, but here's what I know. Now, this generation more than ever has more knowledge than we, we, we're, we're not dying because of lack of knowledge. We know more than anything. And not only that, we're cocky. 
Uh, like, for instance, um, I bought a water, no, was it a water heater? Yes, it was a water heater. I bought a water heater. I don't, I barely know what a wrench is, but I got Google and YouTube. So I bought it, saved about $500, put it in myself. Thank you very much. Now, that didn't work when I needed to change the gas line because my wife came home and she goes, I smell rotten eggs. Get out of the house, everybody. You know, so, uh, but YouTube and Google got me uh, uh, sold for free. So, um, yeah. How do we reconcile prefer personal contact with post everything, text everything, don't talk to me? Yeah, so this is what, this might sound like it's, it's antagonistic against each other, but social media can't touch personal touch. It just can't. And, is, and I, know that, I know that it thinks, well, hey, that, and I don't want to pick on uh, Gen Zers that are in the room right now, but uh, I might. Uh, but it's, 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 tr it's just true. Uh, I'll pick on Clayton because he, 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 would, he wouldn't mind. Uh, and you don't need to just like do, do what I say. I know you, I think you probably know what I'm, where I'm going here, but um, do, do you prefer uh, someone talking to you face to face? I mean, like most do. But here's what we don't want to talk. Here's who we don't want to talk to face to face. People who we don't think care or we don't care about. I, I think that's the issue. So how do we show them that we care? Again, this is where we're headed. It's, it's, it can be a beautiful thing. So, uh, they don't want a Christianity that presents itself as the enemy of the very culture that defines their lives. So, if you're a faith of don'ts, and I'll be I'm very carefully, I am 100%, I believe in the Bible, spirit of prophecy. Like, I'm, maybe I'm old school, but like, if it says it, that's good enough for me. But I'm not going to lead with topics or principles that are going to alienate the people I'm trying to love. Let's start with what we have in common. And by the way, this isn't a Chad thing. This is a Jesus thing. That's what Jesus said. I challenge you to read the Gospels. That's where he led. The only time he gets kind of aggressive and starts going off on people, it's, it's typically the religious leaders who are trying to shut him down. He's, that's when he's like, you brood of vipers. Well, that was John the Baptist. But, like, he called, but Jesus was like, you snakes! He called them snakes, right? So, which essentially you might think, oh, they're slithery and slippery, and maybe that too. But actually more, you're deceivers like Satan. You come across as you're me, but you're the devil. Don't be that way. What's that? Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. Now, so I just want to process this. Like you're looking at if this is, is kind of a, a, a this is what they kind of are, what they want to be type of thing. Uh, how how then do we reach them? How do we connect with these people? I have great news for you. My what I'm going to suggest to you the solution this week. It's absolutely not new light. It's not a something that I've concocted. It's way older than me. It's worked for years and years and years, and it'll still work today. Uh, number one: teach truth and don't focus on false teachings. 
Let me explain why. They don't know anything about the Bible. Not all. Remember what I said. I'm not saying always. And, but the average, they don't know the Bible. So to come at them and go, let me tell you why this church or this person is wrong, they don't even know what true is. So why are you giving me a Bible study on why this day is wrong? Give me a Bible study about truth. You catch what I'm saying? Like, start that early. Now, now when you're talking to people, don't assume anything. Go as simple, and it's not a, I don't think it's offensive. When, I, when I'm speaking, I'll go, go to the book of Matthew. It's actually the first book of the New Testament. Um, kind of like towards the back side of it. Um, look for it. Uh, there's an index in the front of your Bible. I'm, the study I'm studying with, I told you about earlier, I don't even, I just do page numbers. Okay, that was cool, eh? Uh, go to page 785. And she's like, all right. And she, and she says, like, man, I love the page numbers. It's so much easier. I'm like, yeah, I know, it's awesome. He's 785. You know, and, and that's what we do. And then someday, the Holy Spirit, or, or just when you start reading, so, you, know, you know, how many, I won't ask you that, but like, if you've seen a movie like 50 times, you know where everything is. Well, if you're in the Word, you just know where it is. By the way, I gotta tell you something really funny. Uh, she's gonna be baptized. Or she, she's, coming, she's gonna become an Adventist. This is so fun. But one of their hiccups was, was Ellen White. She said, uh, I don't think I could become an Adventist because I, I'm gonna need to read all everything she's written first. <laughs> To, no, I mean, she's dead serious. Like, I need to know if she's legit or not. And I need to read everything she's ever wrote. And then I'll make my decision. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Are you a Christian? She said, uh, yeah. Have you read the whole Bible? No. Do you even know where Ecclesiastes is? She just starts <laughs> smiling. I get your point. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not down, I'm down with you reading everything she's wrote, but I'm suggesting that maybe you could, you know, become an Adventist without, you know. And then I said, oh, by the way, and this is key, and I, I hope, don't misunderstand this, I'm, I'm not trying to promote, like, this is how I really believe we should be. I said, look, you and I are going to be friends forever, and like, we're not going to stop getting together once you become an Adventist. Like, we're in. You know what I mean? So, we're not going to stop studying. And she's like, yeah, that's right. Okay, so there's no pressure. But if you have a mindset of, I'm going to be your friend, Gail, until um, you do what I want you to do, and then you're going to move into being Facebook friends, right? You know, Well, that's not going to work. Right? And then, we, and then we find out there's a reason for church because I want to introduce you to a bunch of other people that feel the same way I do. And then all of a sudden, they love church because it's a bunch of people who love them, want to hang out, and want to encourage one another, want to study together. Like, there's a reason for church there other than that's what we do. You know? Speak with conviction. If you don't believe it, how do you expect them to believe it? Ask them to help you act like Christ. And in a nutshell, this is, this is what I'm betting the farm on. I believe that ministry works like this. And I'm going to just say it over and over all week. So if you don't ever come back, you're like, this, was, this is it. 
I believe a huge way to connect with people that don't believe the same way you do is to ask them to help you act like Jesus. Can you think of someone right now that you would love to spend eternity with? You want to take the relationship to the next level. Right now, they have different views. They might not believe in God, whatever. But you want them and you to be in heaven forever. You, you catch what I'm saying? What are they good at? Derek, my friend Derek, loves Jesus. But let's say he's an atheist. Follow where I'm going here. Derek, I need you. You're the best video guy I know, which is true. Come shoot video of me while I do this presentation. Be on my team. Inner circle now. He's helping me. You're doing me a favor. And he has to videotape everything I say <laughs> and edit it. Are you catching what I'm saying? We don't like to ask for help. Why? Makes us vulnerable. What's another reason? You want the limelight? What's another reason? Pride. We don't let roll go of the control. You're absolutely right. Right, admits we all of those things. You're absolutely right. And what else? We then you feel you owe them, right? But don't. But we then check this out. We like to help people because then they owe us. You catch what I'm saying? Don't invite people. Ask them to help you. Give them the upper hand. That's it. You say, oh, come on, that doesn't work. Oh, really? Uh, John, fourth book in the New Testament, chapter 4. Jesus decides, he doesn't decide. His father says, go sit by this well in the middle of the day. Okay, he does. He meets a woman that shows up, and you know what the first thing he asks her? Help me. Give me a drink of water. Now what's really interesting is her response is, you're a Jew and you're asking me a Samaritan to give you a drink of water? Here's what she's saying. Let me translate it to 2018. You Christians aren't supposed to act like that. Well, you're blowing my mind here. You're asking me to help you do something that like, you, you're not supposed to be, you Adventists aren't supposed to be that way. You're supposed to be those arrogant people that tell everybody they're wrong. You're asking me to help you act like Jesus? My mind is blown. It's super cool. Be open while discipling them. If somebody says something that's so unbelievably off, why do you carry the weight that God never caused you to carry that by the end of that conversation, I'm going to proof text you to death? Is it because you don't plan on ever seeing them again? Plan on spending eternity with Him. So if they say something that's super off, just go, this is my favorite word. I got it from a friend. I just say something. And by the way, don't take this later if I say it to you. But I typically say this. I'll go, oh, that's interesting. Now, interesting can mean anything. Right? That meal that came in front of you and you're like, I don't even want to touch that with my fork, let alone put it in my mouth. Oh, this looks interesting. <laughs> that book that you've been dying to read, this looks interesting. You know, some of you have different words. Like, what are your words? Maybe you don't use the interesting. Anybody use anything else? Wow. That is unique. Right. I've never seen that before. Right. I've, what's that? Yeah, this looks fun for some. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. No, you're right. So, so my, my point is like, just be, be open, but disciple them. Okay? God, you know, this is another thing Jesus always said. He was silent. They would ask him crazy stuff. They would say crazy things, and he would just. Sometimes they would ask him point questions, just a straight up question, and he would just go, he wouldn't say anything. That would be so awkward. Or this, they'd ask you a question, and he would go, let me ask you a question. If you answer it, I'll answer yours. I'd be like, it was just so crazy. Essentially, what he's saying is, I'm not going to go there because I know it will destroy a relationship. Act like you're going to see them again. Amen? All right. Um, so, check this out. I want to I show you a, uh, in closing, what time is it? Okay, good. We're almost done. Um, I want to show you two videos. The, this one is uh, an example of, it's, it's called 60 Second Doc. Has everybody heard of that? 60 Second Doc? It's just a 60 second documentary. This is a Gen Zer, a younger lady. Tell me uh, what principles, when we, when, when we finish, tell me what principles you see her um, having uh, or, or what type of discipleship, mentorship is going on to help her in her growth. And I'm not sure if these brothers uh, hook me up to sound, but I'll do my best. My name is Joey Manuel. I am six years old. I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm being WNBA. I've been playing basketball since I was four years old. My coach is my dad. She probably trained maybe 30 hours a week. Every day, this is what she wants to do. To be a successful player, you grind hard every day and never give up. This is my specialist one. That's me, that's my dad. My ambition's for her college. I don't care about nothing else. And she knows basketball is not forever. School is way more important than anything. She gotta have everything that I didn't have. When I grow up, I want to be a doctor and a basketball player. My mom does skin surgery, and that's what I want to do. I promise I'm going to make sure that you do something constructive with yourself. And no matter what it is, I'm going to support you. Okay. What are you seeing going on that you think is more that... Uh, how many of you think that, she, that she's got the, what it takes to be both a doctor and a basketball player? Where you're like, whoa, there's talent there. What's going on to cause that to happen? Okay, encouragement, family, yes. Spending time, physical touch, right. Stability, right. Consistency. Look, when I, when I, when I was talking to um, the rest of, of uh, the conference staff, I told them, I said, look, we didn't get into this problem overnight and we're not fixing it overnight. I, there's not going to be just one event and it's going to be like, oh, we now don't have a youth problem. No. We have to, as families, as church families, as, as a conference, we have to get back to what we've been told long ago. Spending time discipling, empowering them, standing by their side, encouraging, learning how they talk and act so that we can communicate. You notice the little, the little uh, handshakes that they were doing? You know, like, I'm pretty sure he didn't do that when he was a kid. He might have done something similar, but that's something that's new, and he's just connecting with his daughter. He's being a great dad. 
and I'm, I'm just, a, 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 just a, a side plug, find out how many kids don't have dads in your church. Bring them along. Bring them along. I mean, this is huge. I, I can't tell you how many young people I talk to, they just, they, either they don't even know what a dad is, or their dad is just straight up absent. That's, that isn't a, just a Detroit problem, that's a human problem. Men have stopped being godly men. And I'm, I'm part of the problem, and I need to be part of the solution. We need to, we need to take that back, be priests. Okay, one last one. This is, um, this is an example. This is a great group of young people who are in um, the, the city of Cadillac. Uh, I want to show a video they did. Um, super excited to work with them. They, they, they're, they're just a wonderful group of young people. Um, here's something that they're doing. Um, and I'm going to try and... Was that, could you, did you hear the last one? You did? Oh, okay, good. All right, let me try this again. Okay. What if I told you that $8.74 could give a homeless person a backpack, toothpaste, toothbrush, deodorant, floss, hand sanitizer, eraser, Kleenex, wet wipes, toilet paper, shaving cream, a water bottle, a hat, gloves, a washcloth, some food, and a Bible. There's more than 500,000 homeless in the U.S. alone, and a quarter of them are children under the age of 15. When I took a backpack up to a guy, he was sitting by the railroad tracks, he just was huddled up into about as tight of a ball as he could, and uh, it was a pretty chilly day, it was a really bitter wind, and went up to him and I said, man, you really need to put these gloves on, and his hands were just bright pink, and he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, there's also some food and some other things in here, and he said, oh man, God bless you, thank you so much, and he shook my hand, and his hand was just so cold, and his hands were shaking, and uh, to think about that we can go out or we can come back and go to our warm houses and th these guys basically have the layers on their back to keep them warm and that's about all they have. So it was a, it was a really eye-opening experience and something I'll remember forever. Okay, most of you have all the tools you need to do what they did, but many of you don't know how to do it. It was just a, it was a laptop and a cell phone, basically. And they made that happen. They started a GoFundMe page. How much money do you guys have? They give me? Yeah. So they started a GoFundMe page. They work with uh, the union, and they have $10,000. Little church in Cadillac. They're not in the big city. $10,000 now to do ministry. Now, now think this through. I have somebody that, I, that doesn't know Jesus, kind of skeptical of religion, and uh, what's, what are my better options? One is to, to tell them, hey, come to church, and, and I'm not anti-church, come to church, and our speaker, he's a really good guy, and you know, come on, we have... Or, hey, we're feeding the homeless. 
and we really could use this skill that you have. We need your help. You catch what I'm saying? Inner circle. And so now they're helping the youth ministry. So now they're coming to help you feed the homeless and they're recognizing that you don't have like a third arm or, you know, like a weirdo type of thing and nothing wrong with three arms if you have them. But whatever, you know what I'm saying? But, and they're like, man, these people are, 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 are crazy. And hey, yeah, come on. You know what? You've helped us so much. Now think this through. It's expected when you help people, even though we say it's... it's not, but you're in your mind, the back of your mind, hey, I helped them. If they try to thank me or pay me back, I expect that to happen, but it's not needed. So that when they come and help you, you go, you know, thank you so much. <clears throat> hey, look, we just, we just want to thank you. Come on over to our house for supper. We hang out. We talk about some cool stuff. We, we, get, in, we, we, we get in some food. And, and oh, please come. The whole gang will be there. You catch what I'm saying? Now they have a bias towards you because you're acting like Jesus, not telling them to join a social club that in their mind doesn't do anything like Jesus. I've talked to a lot of atheist people and they usually say there are three reasons why they're atheists. And one of them is, the reason I'm an atheist is because of Christians who don't act like Jesus. What you're going to do in your youth ministry is act like Jesus. But some of you say, well, I only have two people in my youth group. I live way up in Ishpeming. Two people, fantastic. You only need two. So how's that? I don't think we're getting any transfers anytime soon, and nobody here is going to have kids. I told this group once, I said, hey, have you considered actually going to the community and meeting youth there and converting them? And they're like, what? Now you, now you laugh, but think this through. How many youth ministries do you know that actively go into the community and bring people out? Well, we don't want them to do that. They might turn into heathen. Well, what if we train them to be like Jesus and they become Christians because they saw us acting like it? What would that do to your church if a group of people started acting like Jesus seven days a week? You had to change your sign to seven days a week Adventists <laughs> who keep the Sabbath, which is on the seventh day. That'd be a big sign. But you understand what I'm saying. Wouldn't that be cool? You think a kid's going to want to leave the church that helped them win a soul? If any of you have ever personally face-to-face -face won a soul, it is the greatest thing. You don't leave a group that does that. We can do better. He wants us to do better. And if you believe in prophecy and that Jesus is coming soon and all of these terrible things are going to happen to God's people, well, if you believe in that prophecy, then you also believe in the prophecy that says that just before that happens, God's people actually start acting like Jesus. And that's what makes them upset. So we need to do that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for the Michigan Conference. I thank You for our churches. Oh God, please save our kids. I just remember this, this mother that told her daughter one day, I can't go to heaven without you. You've got to be there. Oh, I want that aggressiveness. Like, I need you in heaven. That's what you said. I need
lead you in heaven. Lord, help us. Help us to start ministries in our churches that will love our young people, empower our young people, and will not just empower them to actually win new souls. Thank you, Lord, for for being our God. Thank you for your church here in the last days. May we act like you want us to act in the short time that we have left. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.